0: I frequently run into people who seem to feel conflicted about their desire to make money selling books. And so this podcast has always existed to push back on the idea that there's something wrong with being a profitable author who makes a living selling our work. Well, today I really am excited to bring you a conversation with guest Heather Kint. That's kind with a T, or as I like to say, kind to a T. No, I've never said that before. Uh, At any rate, this is a a phenomenal conversation that really does touch on the idea that the activities that we do surrounding our books uh, should be profitable. We should think about the things that we're doing and how we can make money doing them. Heather goes to a lot of conventions to sell her books, and this has been a topic of great interest to me lately. In fact, I just finished out a library event this past Wednesday, and it was a riotous good time. I promised that there would be no reading there. I did a little Q&A. We served some tasty snacks. Uh, I sold $80 worth of books. So it was overall, I think, a victory for a small town library event. But I actually wish in retrospect that I had done a little bit of reading because pretty much everybody who showed up had never read the book before. I assumed I was going to be speaking with people who had read the book, but the book club that did read it didn't show up. And maybe that means they didn't love it. I don't know. I have these fears late at night and early in the morning. And throughout the day, so pretty much always, that my books are crap. And it doesn't take much to get me spinning and cycling on that fear if I'm not careful. So if you're like me, well, hey, I understand how it feels the exciting thing is, though, is that these events so far have all been a step in the right direction. I'm starting to learn how to do my book pitch better. I'm starting to learn how to recognize when somebody might be my ideal customer, um, though I pretty much talk to everybody who who comes by if I'm in an event, uh, and I try to really make a connection with anybody in the audience, as long as it's in a manageable size. Um, but I love some of the tips and tricks that Heather will give throughout this interview. Make sure you listen all the way to the end, because we get into some really good uh, implications of what might happen if you are showing up to in-person book-selling events. It's something you shouldn't miss out on, and it's something I wish I would have started a lot sooner. So, without any further ado, please enjoy my interview with Heather Kent. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. I live in a small um, community of about 800 people. Um, Not small oh, <laughs> small yeah. Are you thing, small, yeah. small town too? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, do you like it? Have you? What
1: state ahead. are you in?
0: Nebraska. I am, I'm smack dab in the middle of things. How about you? Colorado. Okay. All right. I grew up in Colorado. I was born at Presbyterian St. Luke in Denver. Um, and most of my life I lived in Arvada. Okay. I'm yeah.
1: down with Colorado Springs more.
0: Gotcha. The focus on the family, the hub of focus on the family. Yes. <laughs> For better or worse. I grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey. So um, some positive memories from from all of that.
1: My brother uh, worked there. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Well, there yeah. you go. See, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Whitaker, that's a, the only name that comes to mind of of that particular program. Um but that's cool. I only so know how...
1: that. I've been to the kids zone. They have like a kid zone mm-hmm. there with a big slide and everything. And Mr. Whitaker is one of the characters, but I never listened to yes. Adventures of Odyssey.
0: Okay. All right. It would appear that we're possibly like four or five years apart. So you you just missed the tail end of, of okay. things <laughs> is, my, is my guess. So um, all right. And, and we are discussing conventions. So you've done some work going to conventions to sell your book
1: conventions festivals um craft fairs (laughs) lots of things
0: (laughs) i want to start small and work up to uh kind of the larger things yeah i want to start small with the 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 smallest events that you go to up to the largest events that you go to because i think that there is um a belief among some authors that smaller events aren't worth the time and uh, then I think that there's a belief among other authors that they can't go to to conventions because they couldn't recoup the cost of a booth. So let's see where the whole process takes us and um, decide which place is right for which author, and use your expertise to have a great conversation.
1: Right, sounds good.
0: Um, so I'm thinking that that uh, like craft fairs are probably the smallest things that you go to.
1: Yes. So, actually, I'm kind of in the busy season right now. Um, okay. Tomorrow, I have a high school um, holiday bazaar that I'm going to. Cool. Okay. And the nice thing about the small fairs is it doesn't cost very much. Mm-hmm. And I also like that the money goes to a purpose. So, for yeah. example, a lot of times when you do the holiday ones at, like, high schools, it goes to the band or something
0: like that. Okay. Yeah, so, that's cool. You
1: know, that's really nice for you're giving to something. Plus, you're hopefully yeah. making some money as well and earning yeah. new readers. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be where I would would start. And I have this fun conversation with a couple of my friends who, who were all selling books and newer to like conventions, fairs and selling our books at events like this, which is... Cost versus sales. So let's, let's say tomorrow, what are your expectations? What is the cost to go to the high school event for you?
1: So I work with another author. Um, Mm -hmm. She sells different books than I do, like different genres. So we, a lot of times we'll split a booth and we'll just say, um, you know, I'll ask them, what do you like to read? And if they Mm -hmm. don't say fantasy or romance, they say like more mystery suspense. I'll say, oh, you'll love Allison's books. So we Kind of. So we split the cost of the booth a lot of times. Sometimes they make us get our own booth,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um, so like for tomorrow's, it's about fifty dollars a piece, and we get okay. a corner booth. Oh
0: wow! Great. Okay. And how many people do you expect to see uh, at the 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 event? Do you think? Um, I mean, they're
1: expecting about three thousand. They're hoping for wow. more, about three thousand. Okay.
0: That is way bigger than the high school events you would get here.
1: (laughs) Well, there's only 800 people in your town, you said.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we would have to have have three of my town show up. (laughs) Right? Oh, that's great. Okay. So you're going to have about 3,000 people show up. uh, Mm -hmm. And then how many books... Is a successful event for you? what What is What do you need to sell at that kind of an event to feel like okay that was worth it? Is it break even? Do you need to have a profit? Um, do you feel like those readers will eventually buy more of your books? And so, if you take a small loss, it's not a big deal. How do you factor in the math?
1: Um, normally, I like to make a profit just because I'm a teacher during the week, so I'm giving yeah. up my weekend to do this. Absolutely, and, you know, it's also giving up some of my writing time, and yeah. so. Um, I've had two events so far this fall. Three events. Two of them, I say, were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made about minus the cost of the books, minus the cost, and you have to mm-hmm. minus these things out of this. Right. The cost of the table, you know, around two hundred dollars. Right. I didn't feel like those were successful.
0: Okay, uh, so, just
1: because my time, you absolutely. know, put into it, plus lugging the books. Um, I've been trying to do more Colorado-based things so that mm-hmm. I have a place to stay and I don't yeah. have to take a hotel overhead as well. Yeah. Uh, then I had one last weekend, had a lot fewer people. It was interesting. It was called a Harry Potter Festival. Mm. And I actually made over $300 at that one. So I felt awesome. like that was a little more successful. With, yeah. And plus, I talked to a lot of people because there was fewer people. People came up to me and had conversations, which was yeah. really nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Uh, I was just hearing from my friend Lydia that they do a Harry Potter convention in Atlanta that she was going to for a little while and really enjoyed it. Similar feeling. I think she even said it was about 3,000 people who showed up. And so she's like, sometimes we take a loss at that particular one, but the community is so amazing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the people who go to that are readers.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If Absolutely. you go to a craft fair, it's hit or miss. It depends. And sometimes mm-hmm. when there are readers, they get excited to see books. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not something crocheted or knitted or right. candles. It's it's books. And they yeah. get excited.
0: I've been thinking lately, and so tell me tell me if this is off base, just because I am the kind of person, I have the entrepreneurial gene or spirit, whatever it might be. And so immediately when I see something, I always try to think, what other things can I do with this? You say that you're going to this event with another author friend, and I bet that's a common thing for you. I've been wondering, would it work if you found someone else who went to conventions and fairs and different events like this who didn't actually write like somebody who did crochet or somebody who did paintings or something and so you're you can still get into artist alley but you're not necessarily competing with them to be like oh you stop here to get books you know now you have to choose whose books you get Um is that have you ever thought about that or am i overthinking it
1: no i think that's an awesome idea um so i have actually brought some of my nieces she does um 3d printing like mm-hmm. dragons and things So I brought those to Fan Expo last year. So it was kind of neat to have something different on the table that might draw Mm -hmm. people in. Um, And then my my co-author, she does (laughs) crochet little animals and things like Mm -hmm. like dragons and stuff that go along with her books. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of draws people in as well. So Mm -hmm. I think that would be a really good idea.
0: Yeah. You, you, you have maybe a synergy if, if the things kind of feel similar. So people come over and look at both things they might buy from both of you. Whereas I could see having multiple authors at one booth, it does become very much of an either or. Um, And then I say that I'm try to pride myself on always embracing abundance. There's more than enough readers for all of us.
1: And we also find that people think we're selling other people's books. Yes. Because we have 14 books and Allison has eight books. So it's mm. a lot of books there. So they think they're, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're like, it dawns on them and they're, like, oh, you're the authors?
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> they exactly. They're like
1: wholesaling other people's books or something. Yeah. Boy,
0: that yeah. would be a tough road. I'm I'm, I'm here to tell you, I have a, a spot in my heart for every bookmobile out there, but that's right. essentially what you'd be. And that, boy, oh boy, that would be a lot of work.
1: <laughs> it would.
0: So, <laughs> all right. So, with fourteen books, that that leads into. I want to try to keep this structured. I'm not a structured thinker, unfortunately. With fourteen books, was there a point where you thought I have enough titles that uh, events are are going to be a good fit for me? And what would you say to somebody who's never done an uh, an event before is thinking about it and and like how many books do they want to have out before they sh- show up?
1: Uh, I think the more you have in series, really helps. Yeah. Um, so my, the, the person I sell with, she doesn't have a lot of series. She has one book that has a, like a book that can go with it. Mm -hmm. And she has like a three book sci-fi series that's young adult, but she doesn't really have a lot of series. So I tend to sell more just because I have a four book series and then I have two, three book series Mm -hmm. and two of my series are connected. And so sometimes they buy both series and that really helps.
0: What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm gonna tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah, rah, shish, goombas tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula, the founder, Steve Piper is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard earned money you make through book sales. Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Calling all self-published authors. If you live in the United States and you've always wanted to see your books in bookstores, this may be the most important ad you'll hear in 2023. Listen carefully. No matter where you are in your publishing journey, it's not too early to position yourself to pursue brick-and-mortar bookstore distribution. But if you're a self-published author, you've probably heard, getting your books in stores is next to impossible. That's no longer the case. For just $5, you'll receive a lifetime membership to the Self-Published Author Co-op. When you join, you'll have access to a members-only community with a detailed roadmap on how to get your books ready for bookstore distribution. Joining our community does not guarantee bookstore distribution, as there's a limited availability each month to be a featured author. And that's why the cost of a lifetime membership is less than a cup of coffee. Whether you're just about to publish your first book, or you're selling thousands of copies a month, if you don't have your books in bookstores, the Self-Published Author Co-op is the easiest, most efficient way to get national distribution of your books. Click the link in the show notes to join now.
1: My first event that I ever did was with a publishing house that I was with. It was the Decatur Book Festival. I had two books. Okay. I still sold a lot, but did it Mm -hmm. cover airfare? Did it cover hotel? (laughs) It was a great experience. It was awesome. But with two books out, you don't really, you know, I would start small.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Um, you you do feel like you can get to an event with two titles and still make a profit if you're being smart about where you're going and you don't have a lot of overhead to get there.
1: Sure. I was at Fan Expo this summer and the author next to us had two books. She also sold like a little bit of jewelry that kind of went along with her books, but Mm -hmm. she definitely made a profit. She really did. And I think it was just her whole package that she had. Yeah. You know, she was just really... Um, you could tell what her brand was and people were drawn to that.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. I, I, I just did Cincinnati comic expo with, uh, David and Lydia Sharer. Um, they're fairly active in the 20 K, uh, community and I, I'm not as active. So if I just use the wrong term for it, that's how active I actually am. But that's where you and I met each other. Um, I don't even remember exactly. I asked a question about conventions and your answer really stood out to me as being, um, Just informed and really kind and generous. Um, When I was at Cincinnati, there was a little bit of a scuffle between uh, David and Lydia and the guy at the table next to us. He felt like at some points we were stealing his customers. um, And so that was the first time that I really thought about the idea of etiquette at these conventions. And so it it fits really well into what you were just saying. You were right next to this lady with two books who did a good job and had a good brand. Are Mm -hmm. you thinking a lot about the people you're next to and being good neighbors? Uh, What kind of thought process goes into that so that you make sure you're being an assertive salesperson, but allowing everybody else to really enjoy your presence?
1: Uh, It generally comes up mostly at bigger conventions like i said at the yeah. craft fairs a lot of times we're the only books there and, yeah. or we're separated from the other people with books and so yes we are thinking about that you know i i don't try to grab customers from the people next to me
0: yeah you know, and they, i don't think we did usually, either but you know yeah
1: usually they're coming down the lane and they'll look at everybody's books if they're yeah. really interested in books and they'll ask about if it's something that stands out to them. Um, the guy to the right of us at the last Fan Expo sold like horror comics. So he was very different oh, cool. than what we yeah. sold. And, yeah. and his customers generally didn't gravitate to our books and yeah. vice versa.
0: <laughs> That's a good place to ask a question that I have been wondering about. I want to try uh, craft fairs because there was such a, a robust uh, response to my question in that Facebook group. And a lot of people said craft fairs are a great place to make money. Um, and a lot of people felt like much better than conventions. So my concern is, is that my books, uh, are, are pretty dark, pretty gritty mysteries. And I'm worried if I go to a craft fair, that it's not going to be a good fit for that audience. Do you think that's something to be concerned about?
1: I think there is a variety of people who go to everything. Um, so we have people who come up to us and say, do you have any smut? Basically, they just Oh, that's out and awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we have people who come up and say, I say, well, what do you like to read? And they're like, horror.
0: Well, mm. sorry, we
1: don't have any horror. I said the closest is Allison. Yeah. It's like a paranormal mystery kind of mm. thing. So, you know, there are a variety of people that come.
0: That's awesome. Um, that's good to hear.
1: Yeah. Our best selling or my best selling event is actually a festival a spring festival in okay. a small town in colorado okay <laughs> and not too expensive to go maybe a hundred dollars
0: mm-hmm. and i
1: made close to a thousand dollars this last spring
0: that's awesome a 10 yeah, times really return good. on your investment <laughs> yeah. that's really cool okay um,
1: going into the bigger expos um my partner decided not to do it next year okay Um, the one in Denver is going to be four, four days. This it's usually
0: two or
1: three, but it's going to be four and it's over the 4th of July. So I don't know. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, she decided not to because she doesn't sell fantasy or sci-fi and she doesn't make as big of a profit. Okay. So I purchased at the whole table on my own. So we'll see how I do. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, just let me know. I'll split the table with you. I'll, I'll be <laughs> on down there.
1: I made this past year doubled what the whole table cost. Awesome. So hopefully with a whole table and I can spread out more, people can see my yes. things better. So
0: yeah, David but, and Lydia bought two tables. So at it, it Cincinnati it was $250 yeah. per table. So they spent 500 to have to, I think they were eight foot tables, maybe they were six foot tables, but either way, we had a pretty long spread. And I thought it was really cool because you do have such a long time that people are moving past you looking at things um, that you really get an opportunity to engage a lot. Yeah. So the
1: other thing is, I know a couple of authors who buy the premium space, they uh, buy like the places where people who sell t shirts and sell. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other stuff um, Yeah, and they have the money and they make the overhead that they can afford mm-hmm.
0: that. Yeah.
1: But they, they've had to build up to that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Like you need, I just bought a second banner mm-hmm. for behind my table yeah. because I need to do Fan Expo by myself next year. Mm-hmm. And I've Where had is the- Fan Expo,
0: by the way, I, I should have asked earlier, but.
1: So they have Fan Expo all over the country, but oh, okay. the one that I do is in Denver.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Sorry to interrupt. So you're getting your second banner.
1: Tens of thousands of people come to that one.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I have a second banner. It's been a slow build. Like I keep adding to my display. I've bought different shelves and Mm. I bought a, um, there's like a banner, more of a banner or tablecloth that goes over the front of my table with my name and what genres I write. And yeah, uh, Allison has bought those as well. So that's just, you know, it's just a slow build. Yeah. And I use my profits to buy that. I also use my profits mm-hmm. for editing and for book covers. Yes. So that's yeah, nice. I've got a
0: I've got a bid out for a book cover right now. And um one of them is about three times as expensive as the other one, but I really like the expensive one. I'm trying to tell myself that I should do it. Uh mm-hmm. but yeah, it's cool to to have those kind of areas where you're like, all right, I make a bunch of money at this convention and I can sync that into the next book. Um you you hit on a couple of things I want to I want to touch on. So the first is uh, I'm going to my first event in two weekends. So not not well, obviously it's not this weekend. It's it's next weekend, and um, we have tablecloths. We've got some stuff, but I honestly I really don't have a ton. I don't even have a, a banner stand or anything. Um, have you seen people do that before? Do you? Am, am, should I expect to get crushed because I don't have the the, the tools I need?
1: So I did the. It's called the SoCo Comic Con in Pueblo, Colorado, a few weekends ago. And there were a couple of yeah. authors there. They just had a table, their tablecloth, yeah. and their books on bookstands at their table. Mm-hmm. I mean, they said they did okay. Yeah. They did okay. It depends how talkative you are and if you can
0: yeah.
1: pull people in to discuss your books. And yeah, I think that's important.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: I like to pull people in because I am a little more introverted. I like to pull them in with, with the visual. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That and, makes sense.
1: And then I start a conversation when they come in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll, when people are passing, I'm like, and they look like they're interested. I will say, oh, what do you like to read? Sure. I try to pull them in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The um, other
1: things important to have are like I use VistaPrint to get like postcards with
0: okay. yep. my
1: books on them, and I have one for each series. Then they okay. there's a QR code on the back, so they can go directly to my page mm-hmm. to order Brilliant. the book, and that way I get some online sales after the event as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you notice a bump after an event in sales typically? typically? I, yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay. I um I use Facebook to advertise my it's it's largely my eBooks, um, and I've been I've been quite successful, especially of late. Uh, but it's really funny everybody I hear from when you're talking about direct sales says you really have to get to a certain amount of advertising dollars before you see cross-traffic effects on, on Amazon. And so I can say for sure, I don't really see any cross-traffic, uh, on Amazon yet. I'm spending right now just over $50 a day, uh, on Facebook and recouping that plus some almost every day, but yeah, that, that, Anytime you can get cross sales from an event, that's a really great thing. That that's like doubling your money, kind of.
1: Right. Exactly. I so. think that, that it's really important to have those cards because some people don't like to read physical books and some yeah. people like audiobooks. They'll ask me about audiobooks as well.
0: Have you produced all of your books in audio? Nope. <laughs> okay. All right. Just Is one of something... my
1: theories that my when I had it under the publisher, they produced oh. for that for me.
0: I gotcha. Okay.
1: It's expensive.
0: It's real yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm running a Kickstarter right now for the third book in my series. Um, and I've already got the the audiobook scheduled to be produced. But yeah, it's four thousand dollars to to do the title with the the lady I'm working with. She's a vision. I mean, nobody else could be the voice of the character, but That's it's, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It is hard to look at that, though, and just be like, OK, I know I'm going to recover this and much, much more when you when you pay a bill of that size. I mean, you can get a used car for four grand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Definitely. laughs> so, uh, OK, so so we've talked about you're going to the high school event. You're expecting to see three thousand people. I have a good idea of what your setup is. you like to share tables, but you're in a position where maybe now you might be doing more tables by yourself. Um what's your radius? Let's, let's go there before we get to the big events. How far out will you travel to go to an event? And what are the kind of checklist items that you say, I'm not going to go to the event unless.
1: Okay. So when I first started, like I said, I went to Georgia Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) in Colorado. I've been to, we went to um, Albuquerque Comic Con.
0: Awesome.
1: Um, We did that for two years. We did it the year before COVID, like right before COVID started. And then we did it another time, but we found like the overhead is too much. Just driving all the way down there, getting a hotel. Um, So right now we've kind of centered ourselves on our home state and just finding events here.
0: You have such a big population in Colorado at this point, point. you're not going to run out of readers anytime soon.
1: Denver is usually where we'll go to.
0: As an aside, do you enjoy Denver?
1: Do I enjoy it? Like
0: yeah. doing Yeah, bed- it's a place to go.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah,
0: yeah. I like I like Denver a lot. My it's probably the one thing I miss about living in Colorado is visiting Denver. It's a good city. Um there's my kids really are in food. college
1: now in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. so we'll go through Denver oh, quite yeah. a bit.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. My parents, uh my my dad and his wife live in, in um Loveland. Okay. So, really close. Is it? Yeah. Very close to Fort Collins. Yeah. It's a good area too, but there's, there's just a good feel about uh, Denver as a city. It's probably changed a lot since I lived there, but I always enjoyed it. Um, oh, and this is not about conventions, but did you hear that the tattered cover is filed I bankruptcy? I did. Yeah.
1: They're closing the store in Colorado Springs.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. so many good memories. My mom would take me there uh, and we would browse around the, the books and she would sit us down on one of the, they always had these just really great, cozy, comfy armchairs. She would sit us down. She would read the Beatrice Potter books. Or it uh, there's so this sad and, uh, it's so sad holding those yeah.
1: small bookstores, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you think about yeah, it.
0: Absolutely. They're <laughs> but, such a, a you know, staple in Denver.
1: That's Amazon and the internet, you know, it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: taking over the world.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> Uh, so you're staying local to Colorado to try to cover the overhead. Um, when you go to a larger event, what are the things that you think about in terms of, uh, well, let's do some practical questions too. How early do you have to apply for these things? Do you have to have like a really standout application to get accepted or is it first come first serve? What, what What's the back end of the process look like for those events?
1: So it really depends on the event. So yeah. um, like when I do Fan Expo, they give you the opportunity to sign up for the next year right then, mm-hmm. just so that you get an okay. award. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember how early we signed up for it the first time and got accepted. Um, they do have an mm-hmm. artist alley. So that is, yeah. if you are an author, you're considered an artist. So you have a cheaper, you can get a cheaper table in that mm-hmm. area. Um, okay. And then with the craft fairs, like I said, it really depends. Some people are begging for vendors and other people are you you have to go through a vetting mm-hmm. thing. Um there was one high school that rejected us because they said really? they said we only want handmade things and they don't consider us crafting our words handmade. So um anyway.
0: <laughs> You're like, what am I doing with my fingers? <laughs>
1: I know exactly. <laughs> um but then another there's a big pretty big event called the um, cheyenne mountain craft fair that we're doing um in december and we had to apply like in the summertime for that one because they have a lot of people who want to get into that one Um, so it really
0: depends on the size uh, it really did it really does and
1: how established they are because there are some really established events out there
0: yeah dumb question what is, what's the, do you have to pay like right when you apply? So in, in the example of Fan Expo, uh, when they say you can sign up right now, do you actually have to pay them to yes. get your booth or is, okay. Which so is that nice, could, it's already
1: paid for now. I just paid yeah. for, for my earnings from the event.
0: Yeah, so it's exactly. And that is nice. Yeah.
1: Um, Only one event that I've been to, uh, the one I did last weekend, they said, pay when you come.
0: Okay. Okay. And
1: then the other thing you have to think about is taxes and having mm-hmm. a, um, a special event license.
0: Oh, okay. So a special has, event license. So yeah. does it depend on the state then, maybe?
1: Maybe Colorado okay. has a special events license. And so you can go online after you do the event and you pay your taxes
0: that oh, way. But then
1: oh. some cities and places say, well, you have to pay us separately, then you pay through that. Wow. Other places will say, we'll just take the money from Colorado and you pay it.
0: Yeah. Some people will just come along and be like, hey, do you want me to you know, take your money right now? And you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I guess so.
1: And they make it difficult. It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even understand how to pay this.
0: Wow. (laughs) I didn't know about that. So I'm going to have to do some more research because I imagine that you don't necessarily know if that's everywhere you go. I didn't hear anything about that from the last one that I did. So I'm assuming that it must be place to place.
1: Oh, I always right. thought at first that you just pay it on your taxes at the end of the year,
0: <laughs> like I was just count it up
1: and yeah and now I've learned, <laughs> yeah, um, like the one that I do in Canyon City, they collect the taxes right there, okay, which I love because then yeah. you just do it, you know you just fill out the paperwork and pay it instead of having to figure out all the online systems,
0: yes, yeah. so I can neither confirm nor deny this, but I may know people who 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 when they accept cash sales, don't charge tax because they don't plan to pay right. tax. Um, I was a, a server when I was young and I never, I never paid taxes on my cash tips. So I can, I can understand the thought process there. Um, and they
1: technically don't know how much you made. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, an, okay. Organizers don't say, okay, how much did you made? We're going to report it to the state. They don't ask you that.
0: Yes. Yeah. That is really interesting. I, I want to do a lot more research on that because those are the kind of sneaky gotchas that can depend, you know, or, or determine whether you're going to be profitable doing something or, or lose money. And so, you know, like I said, for me at this point in my life with the size of readership I have, I'll pretty much go anywhere. If I, if I'm con- convinced I can break even. Uh, right. so yeah. yeah.
1: But you have to take into account all those things like hotel, yeah food, you know, airfare, or whatever.
0: Yep. Yeah. So after the event has happened, I'm assuming that you're collecting email addresses when possible. How important is it to get contact information? And then what is your follow-up for any event that you do to try to keep those customers warm and engaged? Very
1: good question. <laughs> That's <laughs> something I should be doing. Okay. I know you can have a, a sign up email sign-up list. I have had in the past, like... Pictures of some of my um, books that I give away with QR mm-hmm. codes on it. Um, so, one of my series, I have a, a prequel novella. Mm-hmm. And so, I had the QR code right there, and they can click it and then they can order that, and I'll get their email that way. But I haven't yeah. done a lot of follow up. I think that's a good idea. I like that.
0: You know, it's something I'm trying to get better at. So, what I do right now is because I have a limited number of titles. Um, I pre-sell two of them to start with. So if you buy my ebook package, you get the first two books. The third will be out in a matter of weeks now. Um, but you, so you buy four, two of them are pre-release. And because of that, I've never really focused on that follow-up email because uh, like, I don't have anything else to sell you. Right. I think I should have been doing it differently because what I do see is that a number of people are literally buying on impulse. So they see my ad, they click my ad, they scroll, they identify like this looks like my kind of book, they buy it, they continue to scroll on Facebook for a certain amount of time. And by the time they're done, they move on to something else. And those books will sit in their inbox unread. And so it makes so much sense to follow up and be like, Hey, I wanted to check and make sure you were able to download your books. Okay. If not, use this, get them downloaded. Um, And, and, and really like engaging, I think in a helpful way to serve them, but also so that they keep thinking about you, uh, I need to do better on that. Do you have, you're using
1: pixels then, right?
0: Yes, I do use a pixel. Yep. And I do capture their, their contact information. I use a Shopify store, so, um, I capture their information there as well. Um, and it's, it's really efficient and it's quick when you can spend advertising money, you can build a readership pretty quickly, fairly passively. Um, the learning curve is is horrible though. You know, when you're losing money and you're watching the money just go away, it's it's oh, like panic can set in in such a real way. But once you get it stabilized, it's very nice. Huh. So
1: yeah, I thought about moving to my own online store.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm working on a new series now, and I was thinking of experimenting with that one to go wide yeah. because I haven't gone wide yet.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's, it's more of a fantasy fantasy series. Um, my romance series, I think romance really does well on Kindle unlimited. Mm-hmm. So, but I was thinking of trying to move that, that direction. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Goes, but I know there's a lot of learning curve to it. Like you said,
0: <laughs> there, there is a lot of learning curve. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely worth it. I would highly recommend, uh, going direct. There are some nice things about it once you get going. I let let me say two things, and we're really talking about you and festivals, so I'll get back there. But there are two things to keep in mind: is that a lot of the sales pitch for being a direct sales author is that you keep ninety to ninety seven percent of your profits uh, because you know there's no Amazon taking their their bite out of it. Um, but the reality is just like you said with the taxes. I pay BookFunnel a certain amount of money to have uh, the kind of subscription where I can get emails there and have multiple titles and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, I pay Shopify every month to have a store hosted there. I pay Facebook a ton of money in ads. And so when you think about all of the different things that come along with this, um, I think the truth is about this is that you own your audience. That's the real win is that you own your audience. Going through Amazon, you don't have any clue who bought your book. And it's very difficult to capture that information. Amazon has intentionally made it as vague and unclear as possible. So
1: that makes sense.
0: You know, how many events do you go to a year? Uh, And is it something that you want to scale up to the point where you would leave teaching or is teaching part of your, your passion?
1: I would say about 10 events a year right now. Uh, I would love if I could make enough money. On yeah. my post. <laughs> I, i've been teaching yeah. for 27 years so wow it gets tiring
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: yeah i probably have about i don't know six years left in okay. teaching my husband's 11 years older than me and so he's hoping to retire pretty quick here and he's also a teacher yeah. and um i don't want to have him going off doing fun stuff and i'm still working
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. Well the good news is I think it's really possible, especially with fourteen titles. I think that you're positioned um I wouldn't be surprised if you could make that transition within the the next year, especially if you are thinking about dabbling in in um direct sales, you might be able to make that leap. And then what you do is you and your husband just start traveling around in your RV and hitting conventions on the way. Then all of your gas money is taxable. You know, you can just do a write-off on it. All of your well, the thing is he's a photographer, write-offs.
1: So he can do his, sell his photography at conventions. And exactly.
0: Also <laughs> yes, exactly. Tell him he needs to quit his job today and uh Christmas break. You're going to come down with a mysterious illness <laughs> and, and just not be able to come back to school. So sorry, kids. Sorry
1: but my kids are in college I can't do that right now.
0: <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. No, I think about it a lot. Um I would love to right now just get on the road and go to every convention I could find, but yeah, I've got a, a 11 10 and an 8-year-old, so
1: it doesn't work too
0: well. It doesn't work too well. No. no. You got to awesome. choose. Yeah, it would be. I love this thing. Uh you've been writing for for quite a while, so one thing I think is important is in the beginning, you made it abundantly clear that making money is of value to you. There are a lot of authors out there and I don't know their reasons behind it who say, uh, if I just, you know, if if one person loves my book, then I'll be happy. If one person feels like the book changed their life or moved them deeply, then it's a job well done. How would you respond to that, that idea?
1: I think they're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Honestly, I mean, I love when, when readers reach out to me and tell me how much they love my books. They want to hear the next one. They want, you know, I love that, you know, but I, and that is important to me as well. Mm -hmm. But if this is my passion and I want to do this full time, I have to make a living off of it as well.
0: I mean, right now
1: I, I I haven't been doing well this fall, but normally I write about 500 words a night. Okay. thousand to two thousand on the weekends if I don't have oh, something that's
0: great happen.
1: like this weekend I won't be doing that because yeah I would-
0: exactly It'll yeah event. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I do uh,
1: so that means I, I release probably about three books a year
0: mm-hmm. that's great that's fantastic yeah that's great because uh when you do the math on that that is seems really achievable um, well
1: I have the summer too
0: Oh, that's true. Okay, so you can I kind of
1: a little bit more.
0: pump up the... Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. This last week, I've been working on a, a project uh, that has kept me away from writing quite as much. And I mean, I've just been putting in stupid hours. I don't really like to have my identity tied up in hard work or anything, but I actually do enjoy hard work. So there there are seasons where I can really get into workaholic mode. And I've been writing late at night to make sure I'm getting my words in. Um, but yeah, it's it, it feels good to know that you can write a certain number of titles every single year and you don't run out of stories to tell your quality doesn't suffer. There's a lot of myths around this whole profession that I think people give into. Um, do you have any formal education in writing or what, What? How, how did you get started? Did you decide that this was something you wanted to do and just worked at it and built the craft or what was your process like there?
1: Pretty much. I um, I remember when I was in fifth grade My teacher identified me as a good writer. So she put Mm. me in the writers' Club and we wrote this book together as students from different schools. I still have it. So it's fun to read how lousy it is to my kids (laughs) in my class. Yeah. Um, And so, but then I didn't really do anything with it other than, you know, I got my education degree. I got a sociology Mm. degree and got my master's degree in teaching reading when I was doing that. It was probably... I graduated in 2008. Okay. And it was about the time when Twilight was out, mm-hmm. about a little bit before that. And I was reading those after I finished my master's degree. Yeah. And I was turning in my papers for my master's. And some weeks I was just rushed just because mm-hmm. I had two toddlers at home. Yeah. I was working full time. So I had to do it on the weekends. And I was like, okay, I got to get this paper done. It's not as good as my papers usually are. And I would still get an A and I'd be like, oh,
0: yeah.
1: maybe I'm right. kind of good at this writing thing. Yeah. And then I was reading Twilight and I was like, oh, I could create my own world. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I started writing my first book.
0: Fantastic. And I
1: happened to have a year that I took off from teaching mm-hmm. and my daughter was in preschool. And so I'd take her to preschool, I'd go to the library and I would write. Mm. And some days I'd have substitute to substitute teach, but um mm-hmm. some days I would just be able to pick her up from preschool, she'd come home, take a nap, and yeah. I was reading the hunger games then.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: so it just those books were really inspiring me to create my own world. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, so and I I could have asked earlier, uh, but in terms of writing, it sounds like you do sci-fi or excuse me, fantasy, mostly, maybe a little bit of sci-fi, but um, is it, is it focused on the YA readers, young adults emerging, anything like that, or is it?
1: So my first three series are focused on young adult, 16 plus. Um, Okay. And um, I have a series of contemporary romance retellings Oh, cool um, so that the second book i actually wrote was one of those and it won an award and that's actually what spurred
0: awesome. me
1: into writing because he the author who put the contest out helped me to publish that book yeah and
0: that's that's very cool um,
1: now it's been renamed and rebranded with the other books in that series okay. uh and then um the book i'm working on right now is more of an adult fantasy like
0: cool
1: young adult fantasy
0: yeah. Okay. Not you have, like uh,
1: teenage, but.
0: <laughs> sure. You yeah. know what I, I think, Um, and, and you had mentioned the Harry Potter convention, but Harry Potter is this amazing thing that I think shows a lot of us uh, authors, readers, people who enjoy great stories, that something that might be labeled YA really transcends anything. It's okay. it's ultimately all it comes down to is the age of your hero. If your hero is a young adult, then it's probably going to be marketed as YA. Um. I love the scene in the the movie. I don't remember if it's in the book and I should, cause I've read all of the books multiple times, but when um, Ron's mom says you bitch, I think that that is a really fantastic moment where it does transcend what, what Harry Potter had been to that moment and says like, Hey, there's going to be a little bit of edge to this and a little bit of grit and darkness. And I thought that was really.
1: And kids um, grew up with it. You know, it's starkly. Exactly. You know, with yeah. what is he, a thirteen, eleven year old Harry and mm-hmm. and they grow up with it and the kid yeah. the kids mature and you're probably maturing as a reader as you're reading it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She did a great job with that. I just Stephen King posted yesterday that her new book, um, I don't remember, but it's from the the Robert Galbraith. Her writing is Robert Galbraith is really, really good, apparently. So um I'm gonna try to get my hands on it. I've not read any of her adult work have you by any chance I know this has nothing to do with
1: <laughs> I have not. in fact okay. I bought one of Stephanie Meyer's other books mm. called I don't know the patient or something I don't remember what it's called yeah I have it in my bookshelf but I still haven't read it yeah I read her other one there was like can't remember the name of that one either she had another uh-huh. one that came out after Twilight that I read and there was yeah. a movie for it too
0: we don't talk about it as often, but it, it probably is true for for a lot of authors as well. Like J.K. Rowling, I think, had an incredibly difficult time breaking out of Harry Potter. I think that the the orbit for that book is so strong. People would just wish she'd keep writing it. Um, and I, I imagine the same is true for, I don't remember the author's name for The Hunger Games, but um, and Twilight yeah, as well. Yes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it would be hard, like, if you have a breakout like that. Yeah. For people to identify you with something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Curious, uh, and then we can start moving toward wrapping up. When you sign up for uh, any kind of craft event fair, what do you do inside of the event? Do you really make a concerted effort to meet other people, walk the aisles at any point, uh, trade business cards, build relationships, or do you really stick to your booth? Um, Yeah, what's, what's your idea behind that? Terrible way to ask a question.
1: It really depends on the event. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's more where there's more authors, I probably would walk around more. Um, yeah. I think if it's a craft fair, I might be tended to spend my money that I'm making. And I, t- yeah. and I don't really want to do that because yeah. this is like a business venture for me. You know, mm-hmm. um, Ali- Allison tends to do that more. She'll mm-hmm. say, I'm going to go for a walk and look around the other booths. And I'll, okay, I'll hold down the fort, you know. Yeah. Um, um, but other vendors come to me and yeah. they talk to me about things and they'll maybe take a card and, mm-hmm. but if it's more, you know, like leaning towards books, I might tend to do that more. So they meet yeah. other people and network.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's um, this is a, a newer idea to me, but I've been thinking when I go to the book fair this coming weekend, Um, I really want to make sure that I do get around and I don't have business cards at this point, but I was thinking maybe I can put a rush on some business cards and meet some of those people Um, because what I'm noticing is I run into a lot of more serious authors like yourself who naturally start to surface by the way that they engage with the world. And I have to imagine if you're taking the time to go to a book fair, uh, any kind of expo convention, you're pretty serious about what you're doing. And those are the people that we want to have relationships with. I don't know what comes of it, but I think having those connections and people knowing each other and seeing each other out in the world matters. Um, And I am coming from a place where when I was first writing, I was so saturated in desperation to be validated and recognized. And so like every time that I would meet somebody, I was really in this horrible mindset of like, what can they do for me? Mm-hmm. And it's horrible. So I wanna I wanna change that. And I think if you're at a book fair, you don't think that at all about somebody. You just say, like, hey, we're on this journey together and you take it seriously. So I wanna make sure that we're we're going in it together.
1: I also like to walk around and see how they're doing things differently than yes. me. Like I have little lights on my table now because I saw someone else put little lights and I think, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. You know, or there's this one guy he does like these cool maps. He only has one book out, but he like sells his maps of his book. I mean, it's just really neat things that he does. Um, Two cool stories that I have real quick. Yeah, please. (laughs) One was the Decatur Books Festival. A woman came up to me with her daughter and she's like, yeah, I'm shooting a TV show here in, in Atlanta. And my daughter wanted to come over and see the book fair. And she was looking at one of my books and she seemed really interested in it. Um, nothing ever became of it, but she told me that she was, she was from Los Angeles and she was a television producer basically. And so mm. she was interested wow. and she, was, this looks really interesting. So she bought one of my books, nothing came of it, but who knows? <laughs> you know, oh,
0: That's awesome though. That feels the so other good. One,
1: the other one was at the Southern Colorado, um, uh, comic-con mm-hmm. there was this guy came up to me and he was looking at one of my books is um a bell retelling beauty and the beast and, oh, he, was okay. and he goes oh is this beauty and the beast i said yeah and he goes he points to his hat and he goes i was chip and i was like oh like in a play huh. or something yeah. and then, you know so we're talking a little bit more and i said so what play were you and he goes no i was chip in the original beauty and the beast movie oh <laughs>
0: yeah. that is so cool
1: yeah, he was one of the people signing autographs there, and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like he was asking me all about my book, and yeah. I just that was really, you know, just those connections that you can make at those places.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of, so you're pretty active on the, I, I always forget the name of the group, but 20K, 50 to 20K or something. 20 books um, to 50K, yeah. 20 books to 50K. I don't know why yeah. I can't remember the name. You're pretty active there. Uh, they have their big event in Las Vegas in just a couple of weeks, right? Yep. Yep is that something that you would go to or have gone to, or what's your,
1: I've gone to two of them. I went to two years. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I actually got to go to a more intensive, um, learning time with Craig Martell who puts those on. And that was in the March after in between the two that I went to. Yeah. It was just 10 authors with Craig. He was just teaching us and we were learning from him. It was pretty awesome. Um, so I got to know him better. That is so cool. And then, so this year I'm actually not going to 20 books just okay. because I have to take a whole week off of school. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to do Superstars in Colorado Springs, which is okay. uh, three days off of school instead of, yeah. Instead of five. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Craig is actually going to be at that one too. Oh, so.
0: cool. Okay. So you, you still get the opportunity to rub elbows. I've heard that that is a particularly great place to go to have uh, positive networking.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So it'll be my first time at this one.
0: Very cool. I have so much learning to do. There's so many things out there that I, I didn't know existed. Um, so many opportunities to sell books. It is absolutely true that there's abundance. Um, have you ever felt like, you want to keep these things a secret because you don't want too many authors to start doing it. Um, is there ever a sense of like, uh, an event is oversaturated with authors? Have you seen that at all?
1: Not really, not really, yeah. not the smaller events. I feel yeah. like the fan expo, there's a lot of authors there.
0: Absolutely. And so at yeah, that, that point,
1: a lot of competition when you're there.
0: Yeah. You want, you want your voice to be loud and unique. Um, I'm just trying and to And my, my
1: covers have to stand That's out. You know? exactly I had a friend of mine um, from from that, that small group that we did. And he said to me, he goes, I can definitely tell what your brand is. He's That's like, just awesome. looking at your covers, I can tell. So that was yeah. pretty neat.
0: That's really cool.
1: I think branding is important.
0: Branding is very important, and it's difficult. I, I just had a, a very long conversation with a, a, a friend and frenemy uh, of mine. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Thomas J. Beleza. I called him just privately the other day because of the project I'm working on. Um, and and he keeps going back and saying, "Branding. Stop trying to sell stuff. Brand yourself." He's like, "It might not work quite as quickly, but when they hook the brand, then they're in. And if you really focus on that, you win." So
1: right, it yeah. goes back to that. You know, when you have that reader that really you know digs their claws into your books they really Mm -hmm. love them but you need to multiply that (laughs) you know and it's like how do you multiply that
0: that's great yeah
1: right exactly
0: so one question
1: you're exploring in this podcast is how do you
0: buy those readers exactly that is the that's the biggest question for me and I think when I have a better feeling for how you take a Reader uh, and turn them into a super fan. Then, then I really start to see the the growth go exponential. Um, real quick, going back to the book covers, do you actually design your book covers thinking about what people are going to see from maybe six feet away as they're walking down an aisle? Does that come into your mind at this point, or uh, yeah,
1: It hasn't so much. Okay. No um, one one of my series actually does pretty well at live events, mm-hmm. but I feel like it does as well online.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's like they can't get the full scope of the cover just looking mm-hmm. at it online. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have another series that does. It's my bestseller online. Yeah. And They sell pretty well. At, it's pretty even at book conventions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, One of mine sells probably the best because I have a banner for it.
0: I okay. Yeah.
1: People see the banner and they're like, oh, I want to see where that book is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This yeah. did remind me of two questions I had. And I, I want to be respectful of your time as well. So if I need to cut off, just you know, give me a thumbs up or whatever. Um okay. so pitch is my first question. Do you actually rehearse or have a pitch that you know you're gonna use with people when they come over? Uh so let's start there.
1: Two of my series I have a really good pitch for. Yeah. Um one of them, my newest one, I'm still trying to work that out. <laughs> sure. Cause it, it's actually a prequel series to one of the books in my other series and that series, I have a really good pitch for. So what I try to tell people, I'm like, Oh, these three characters are in their forties in this book, but this is when they were teenagers and they had bad blood between them. Mm -hmm. So if you want more of an emotional experience, you buy this series first, (laughs) you know, I just try to tell them that, but it's not really what the story's about, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, So I just, I just have to refine that. I need to be better mm-hmm. at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, pitching is really, really difficult. I think that I've always had a hard time writing um, the blurbs for the back matter of my my novels. And uh, even the descriptions, like the uh, book descriptions on Amazon baffle me because Well, I'm just pretty crappy at writing them. That's the truth. I don't think that way. When I think about the book, I know the movements. I do think a little bit about three act structure. Um, I think about the beats, uh, you know, all of the lines of tension, how I resolve those things. I do get pretty, pretty technical about the way that I write. But when it comes to trying to summarize a whole book in, in two paragraphs... I have no brain for it whatsoever at all. And that that translates over into pitches. It's really difficult to be like, what are the three really captivating things about this book or this series that if I say them, people will be like, yes. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. Trying to th- come up with that. Are you, yep. you more of a plotter then?
0: So- <laughs> the funny thing is when I started this podcast, I I was anti-outlining, anti-plotting. I really, really thought that it was for um, inferior writers. I can be honest now and say that that was my belief. Um, mm-hmm. And partly by necessity, I realized if I want to put out the number of books that I need to, to make a real legitimate run at this, I have to outline and I need to know where things are going so that when I sit down, I'm really doing it. So now I outline and... Um, I feel, I feel sad for people who limit themselves by not outlining. However, I would never now feel like they're inferior because you can come up with great stuff, you know, and Stephen King claims he doesn't plot. So, right.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Are you a plotter by, (laughs) by, you you write as it comes, (laughs) you're a a, pantser. Joanna
1: Ken would say I'm a discovery writer.
0: (laughs) A discovery writer. I hate the term pantser too, but okay. So you're a discovery writer. That yeah. is. Yeah. It's I honestly, like, it's a yeah, good. How do you do that with a series story? though? Yeah. What? How do you do that with a series? I mean, I guess I'm curious. How do you, how do you uh, discover when you're writing a, a series that that seems really challenging?
1: I mean, I have some thoughts in my head of some things yeah. that are going to happen and where it's going to go, but yeah, I just want to get going on the book. I I don't to sit there and think about them too much, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just
1: thinking about my current series. Like, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm on book one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) But I have some
1: ideas. I have some bigger plot points that I've kind of embedded into the story that Mm -hmm. I know later on are going to play themselves out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So last question for you. And I think this is really important for people who are newer to conventions or even people who have... have been going for a while and maybe experiencing some heartburn about this. How do you decide how many copies of your book um, of each book to bring to the event?
1: So I made major mistakes in the beginning. So yeah. learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first fan expo I did, I ran out of book one in my bestselling series. Oh. And I was talking with other authors. there. like, they're like, Oh no! You need to bring double, triple of book one
0: yes. than you
1: do of the other books. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because people want to try it before yeah. they buy the whole series, so they'll buy book one.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, once in a while, you have people who buy the whole series, but they just they 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 have to gain trust in your writing. Mm-hmm. Before they buy it, I have people who stand there and I see them on their phones. They're looking up your book on Amazon to see what Mm -hmm. your reviews are, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's important.
1: So right now I probably bring um, three boxes worth of books to an event. I don't usually sell that amount, but I'm a little nervous about my event this weekend. I have two books of the first book of my series left Mm. and the books aren't coming till Sunday.
0: Ooh. But I do
1: have hardcovers, so they can buy hardcovers.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes those moments are proof to you that something is needed. I, I, right. I believed that my books were worth a certain amount of money until I raised the prices just to see what would happen, and realized it it didn't slow sales down at all. And that was a moment where I thought, oh, I've been doing yeah. this wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the hardcover for you. You're gonna you're well, gonna Well and I to did sell
1: a whole hardcover series last weekend because the guy said he goes, I only read hardcovers.
0: Yeah. I'm <laughs> very good. similar. If you saw my bookshelves, it's 95% hardcovers. Uh I, I just prefer the feeling of a good hardcover in my hands. So yeah. Awesome. Um all righty. Well, tell everybody now that we've gotten to this point where they can find your books, uh, who you think your ideal reader is and uh how, how they can connect with you.
1: Uh, so for my fantasy series, um, my ideal reader is 16 up to over 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I have people who read, probably my biggest readers of my YA are in their 30s, 40s. Yeah. Um, they just don't want, uh, some people just don't want all the smut in it, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. they, they enjoy YA. Um yep. My other contemporary romance are for adults, um, retelling. So if you enjoy retellings, you can find me um, on Amazon as well as heatherkint.com. So it's K-I-N-D-T. So I tell my kids in my class, it's kind with a T on the end. Um, (laughs) And then um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a TikTok. I have um, Instagram. Not a big Twitter or X person, but
0: yeah. 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 Uh Twitter is how I how I uh created everything that I've been successful with so I'm I'm really pretty loyal to it. However, uh, it is not very good for selling books unless you are really comfortable sliding into people's DMs on the regular. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it's a very <laughs> interesting platform to say the least. Very good. I will have links to everything that you have. You said you're not wide right now, so I'll make sure to link to Amazon for all of your books, uh, your social media, and really excited to continue to hear about how your journey goes. So thank you very much for sharing with me. I I selfishly learned a ton just from interviewing you and uh, for all of the the people who listened and are going to have the courage to try an event for the first time. They thank you as well.